You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 114 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for Overwatch League Season 4. I'm your host, Ramses. Thanks for hanging out with us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mashthosebuttons, or on iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you like to use. We just... Always want to remind you, follow us on Twitter at PushPointPOD or leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm Ramses, like I said, joined, of course, by my three. This is a weird way of saying this. We've been doing this podcast for, I think, what? This is two and a half years at this point, Lobo? Uh, we started season two, which was 2019. So 2020, 2021 uh close to two and a half years yeah i think it's just that the last two and a half years have just been so um i don't know if you would say even outside of league just so um high tension i think that i would say more like the last year and i don't know how much you know like like season two i think there was like rose tinted glasses on and stuff and then like season three hit and it was Starting off pretty good, and then and then the pandemic happened, and boy, did that change a lot of stuff. I I took off on a plane um, with the league still happening, and I landed five hours later, and the league was no longer happening for a couple weeks. So stuff can change super quickly. Yeah. Um, we have a couple things to go in go through today. Uh, we are still working on game night. Um, I know personally, I don't. I will not be available this weekend so uh lobo and i'll be talking about that but just in case um we want to come invite you to hang out even if it's not like an official game night game night uh we'll be figuring out something to do this saturday night discord.me slash mash those buttons yeah maybe we won't even play overwatch i don't know like right now i can understand if anybody doesn't have the desire to play the game i haven't touched the game personally since um last game night probably mm-hmm or the last time we played on the show, one of the two. So I I haven't even touched Overwatch or a Blizzard game for that matter in a little bit. So and anybody else who feels the same way, like more power to you. Maybe we'll we'll find some other enjoyable things to do. We You know, there's like Jackbox games and stuff we can possibly do or find. I mean, there's a uh, some other there's stuff. a decent amount of um there's a decent amount of uh, people who play game night with who also play Final Fantasy 14, right? Maybe, so, yeah, mean, right. Maybe maybe I <laughs> pull people in if they're in the same um data center as me and be like, hey, help me do all these different dungeons and stuff that I want to do. Maybe I can get that to happen. I don't know. All I know is there's plenty of options for us. We'll I guess we'll do some. Maybe we'll just wait till you're available, though, too. Like, I I don't think there's a rush to do anything um, Overwatch related. So we can maybe plan something else out a little bit more, maybe involve some more shows and stuff. It's been a little bit since we've done like um, and I guess it would I mean, a couple we 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 give ourselves a couple weeks and see if there's any shows that want to do something. Definitely. We have a couple of things to get through today. Um, some more news, actually, or I guess some bigger news to go through. Um, right off, right at the top, 
Uh, President of Blizzard, J. Allen Brack, uh, stepped down earlier this week. Um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. He released a statement earlier this week. This happened August 3rd, about five days ago from when we're recording this. Um, This happened after the walkouts, um, and this seemed... I don't know. So let's go through this. We are, we're, we've been talking about that we're going to be following up on the Activision Blizzard lawsuit as things continue to roll on. Um, and I think this is one of the first bits of major fallout from that. Uh, something to be clear with, he wasn't fired necessarily, but he did uh, step down. He resigned. Things go back and forth between that. We have been told about his replacements. So instead of being one person coming over and taking over the role of president. The two people who will be leads at Blizzard are going to be Jen O'Neill and Mike Ibarra. Mike Ibarra, excuse me, um, who both have experience within the games industry, but I was under the impression that they were people who had been at Blizzard for a long time. And when you actually look into their background, they're people who have come in from other areas. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's just something to keep in mind with everything that's gone on. O'Neill previously, um, a quote from an article from Polygon, O'Neill previously acted as executive vice president of development for Blizzard um, and also previously led Vicarious Visions, which is a company that Blizzard acquired in January. Um, you 90s kids will remember Vicarious Visions for, I think, Crash Bandicoot. Am I right? Um, I think no, that they, was re- more... they did the remake of they did the remake of Crash Bandicoot. That's what I'm thinking. I think they were Tony Hawk Pro Skater. If yes, I remember so right, they, they were like sort of part of like the Neversoft stuff a little bit or something. I, I, there's a lot. Yeah. So they had done some crash stuff. They've done a little bit of work on Diablo 2. Um, they did work with Skylanders. They were kind of responsible for the Crash Bandicoot like remaster that came out in 2017 that people really liked. And for the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater remake that came out last year. That was super fun. Yeah, I recommend I mean. that game. Um, and then Mike Ibarra was previously at Microsoft serving as corporate vice president for Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass. Um, he also, when he joined Blizzard in 2019, he worked with, um, plat- he led platform and technology at the company. So two people with backgrounds, a little bit of time with Blizzard, but also with a variety of experience in other places. Yeah, and I guess Vicarious Visions was technically part of Activision for a while, too, since like 2005. I don't know. These these are it's not like they took people who were like just random people in the games industry. Like they took people who seem to have pretty good standing as far as the community is concerned. I mean, it's not like you're going to know about every single person, but obviously they were respected enough to to be co heading this it's funny because like you always felt like the person to be the next president was going to be um a jeff right like jeff kaplan was always sort of that guy that you thought like oh when when jalen brack finally kicks out of here it's 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 jeff's turn and then that didn't happen so jalen brack being the poster boy for blizzard I mean, you look at BlizzCon this last year, he's the, or even the years before that, he's the person who gives that introductory speech. He's the guy who is like, for all intents and purposes, the the face of the company. So we know that a lot of this stuff did go down on his watch and he has been, he has been accused of being too, I guess I'm trying to think of how to word this. 
they, he has been accused of being not harsh enough or not accurately dealing with things that have been brought to his attention or ha- that he was supposed to have taken care of as far as these kinds of allegations it mentioned in the lawsuit. Yeah, directly mentioned, I think, is something yeah. worth pointing out with his handling of things. So I. This is a step in the right direction. Again, this is something to make clear. This was not something that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lovasco. This is not something like explicitly that was in the, in the demands of the Blizzard employees who walked out last week. No, the the demands had nothing to do with leadership in that respect, right? Um, there there were there were four points. I I, I want to find the the actual. Um, I guess you could call it almost a mission statement that they had. There was their demands. Um, yeah. They sent like an employee. This is this is the Ubisoft one. Uh, that they made a set. They made a um, a set of demands. I'm trying to find where it is. I can't. I can't find it either. But things that included like recommitting, like commitments to inclusivity and to more diverse hiring practices. I think bringing the people directly into the hiring practices of the company. So I can give you the here. I, I found it. Um, so I have to turn off by. So as per the workers, Activision Blizzard's response uh, didn't address the following. These are the things that they wanted to address. The end of forced arbitration for all employees, worker participation and oversight of hiring and promotion policies, the need for greater pay transparency to ensure quality, and then employee selection of a third party to audit HR and other company processes. We know so far that I don't think any of these have been met. J. Allen Brack being let go and then Jen and um, uh, Mike being promoted sort of directly goes against one of the things that they wanted, which was worker participation and oversight of hiring and promotion of policy. Well, that's policies. I, I was thinking of employees for that, but still. Um, but I guess that would be oversight of hiring. Not that they're technically being hired, but they're being promoted. So this really doesn't hit any of the points that they were really um, looking to have be addressed. It, it, it's not necessarily something that's bad, but it doesn't. It, it's not what they were looking for. So it, it's more of a. This is more of something that isn't to appease people internally at Blizzard, but more externally is, I think, the feeling that a lot of people get from this. Uh, Blizzard, actually, a spokesperson put out a statement earlier this week. Both leaders are deeply committed to all of our employees, to the work ahead, to ensure Blizzard is the safest, most welcoming workplace possible for women and people of any gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation or background, to upholding and reinforcing our values and to rebuilding your trust. With their many years of industry experience and deep commitment to integrity and inclusivity, Jenna and Mike will ha- lead Blizzard with care, compassion, and a dedication to excellence. You'll hear more from Jenna and Mike soon. And then Jay on Brack's statement included a part that said, I'm confident that Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra will provide the leadership Blizzard needs to realize its full potential and will accelerate the pace of change. I anticipate they will do so with passion and enthusiasm and that they can be trusted to lead with the highest levels of integrity and commitment to the components of our culture that make Blizzard so special. So like we've been saying here, this is a step in a direction. It's not necessarily step that was called for. It was not the step that was asked for. It needed to happen though. So like 
like J. Allen Brack steps down, you know, quote unquote, there's obviously a couple of things that probably happened there. He probably wasn't just stepping down. He might have wanted to step down, but he was also probably the door was open for him and there was a a boot ready to send him on his way as well. Uh, He's being a little bit of a fall guy here for some of this. There's no doubt about it. And obviously, rightfully so, seeing as he's literally named in the 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 um, the actual court case as somebody who didn't do enough or didn't didn't actually act upon things that were told to him. So this makes sense in one sense or another. This feels like Blizzard allowing him to step down, have it be a more gracious thing than for him to outright be um you know can't right yeah it, that that definitely is what this feels like especially because it seems like they were very prepared for who they, they were having step in they had two people step in there was a really weird part and i don't remember what statement was in but it was something about mike Ybarra being like um i think um like what his uh ethnicity is and I forget if that was just a statement to somebody when they made that or it was really weird. It was like nobody. This is not the time to do that. Like be like, look, it's a girl. And then it's a guy who, who it's incredibly who, performative. It's like, performative. It, it's dumb, especially too. if you have uh, Mark, Mike Ybarra. I, I've never heard anything bad about him. Um, I know he's somebody that I followed prior to any of this happening. Um, Mike, Mike Ybarra looks like like me. Well, not not actually like me, but you know what I mean? I, if you didn't tell me that he was somebody of um, an ethnic um, fam- background. background, I wouldn't have known, right? Mm-hmm. So it, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. It's cool that he's in a position like this. He seems like a good guy. I've never heard anything bad about him. Um, Jen as well. Like, I've never heard anything bad about either of them. Like, I think that there's potential for both of them to be really, really good. There's a lot of people that seem to be excited that these are the two people stepping in for JL and Brack. There's also a much younger of a leadership than we've ever had, I think, at Blizzard. If you look mm-hmm. at before, you know, Mike Morheim, you know, obviously when Morheim originally started, it was a little bit different, but still. So you have a little bit of a youth movement there, which I think is a little bit nice. And two people who clearly play, I mean, Ibarra's latest post literally three hours ago was him doing mythic plests and wow. His other one a couple days ago was, ooh, Overwatch, fun stuff. Like, Yeah, and then you look and he's only level 32. I mean, but whatever. whatever he probably wasn't on that side. It, it, you know, he, he obviously was somebody more attached to uh, the wow team. I guess I don't know if like if he was actually involved in the wild team at all. Um, regardless He's, of that, he came in more as a general manager is what yeah, it sounded like. Exactly. Um, and he came in much later after a lot of the accusations that that are put forward. Happened, I I will say so something I, I want to get your thoughts on this, Lobosco. I think there's a timeline that Jason Shearer, who is um the main journalist who broke the initial news of the case. Uh, there's a timeline he put forward where they talk about how you can almost see people. T- whenever people talk about Blizzard, it's just natural that they mention about how horrible Bobby Kotick is. Bobby Kotick being the CEO of Activision Blizzard, the entire parent company. And that that with 
like part of it being like this is why J. Allen Brock was president of Blizzard, not chairman, not CEO, like president, because at the end of the day, they report to Kotick. And this does seem like a step where, I mean, you and I, how many times have you and I talked in, off, in offline conversations with a bunch of people about how Activision Blizzard, I think, is putting the screws to Blizzard saying like look you need to get your stuff you need to get stuff out well you there's need to make things happen there's literally mentions of things like that in in like some of the court case stuff right mm-hmm. like about the pressure put on like certain um certain teams at at blizzard to perform and stuff like that i think it was it, it was part of one of jason Shear's articles so there, there's a lot that goes into it but Part of it is Activision wanting, you know, more from Blizzard in many respects than what Blizzard was doing what, uh, and I putting a lot of pressure onto people. And then also sort of like, like this is something that, that doesn't help w- with the other situations going on there because uh, it might exacerbate some of it. But also it just leads to poorer games. Well, and I think this is also them wanting more direct control. Not No, this let me rephrase that. This is not the change in leadership a side effect i think of this or a possible benefit for activision with this is more direct control over blizzard well because they're people that are not directly like blizzard people right they're not people who have been with the company for years they're people who've been with the company for a few years they're not there's a much difference bigger difference between somebody like jay allen brack who becomes president of the company who's been with the company for you know, longer than a lot of people. And then somebody who's a couple years into it, but clearly a big wow fan and whatever. So it it definitely is a difference. It, It doesn't change the amount of control that Activision has over Blizzard, though. I think that's the wrong thing for people to focus on. Um, there, there are other problems, which Jason lays out really well and sort of giving you the timeline of what, what happened with um warcraft reloaded right mm-hmm. um or, or whatever it was called whatever warcraft th- reforged sorry warcraft 3 reforged warcraft reloaded is the name of a show on the mashless ones podcast yeah network hosted by blaze and bob yeah S- shout outs to bob i was thinking I-, I guess i was thinking of bob but no <laughs> warcraft reforged though um jason I-, I think it was an article from jason that lays out very well sort of like um what sort of happened with that specific game, right? And, and the byproduct of problems that happened. It, it's a really good article. Um, it, it, the 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 title of the article, and uh, we'll make sure to link it, is uh, "Blizzard turned game developers into rock stars." Misbehavior followed, and then in the article, it goes on to talk about the problems that happened with uh, Warcraft Re- Three Reforge. Despite the problems, many women said that they still love many aspects of Blizzard, but over the past three to four years, Activision has stepped in and made things tougher in countless ways, eroding the parts of Blizzard's culture that were healthy and beloved. So you had, basically, it was a two-pronged assault on either side. You had Activision on one side, and then the internal problems at Blizzard by these quote-unquote rock star game developers at BlizzCon and, and everything else, and everything that those guys were doing. Which also, led to the downfall. So follow up on our, we talked about Fran Townsend last week, um, who was the, um, I think it was CCO, wasn't it, was the title? 
I forget her exact title, but she she's like something in in the corporate sector part of of Activision Blizzard. So more stuff from her came out this week. Um, first things first. Um, she's no longer she stepped down from her position as the executive sponsor of the Activision Blizzard King Women's Network. Um, she's still employed by the company, um, to our knowledge. Uh, in a statement that the Washington Post got, she believes in doing what's right for the network and will continue to support and advance the work of the network as best she can. She also, um, she followed up on her statement earlier, uh, the one where she called the allegations distorted and false that Bobby Kotick followed up on and said it was tone deaf. Um, she told employees over Zoom, according to the Washington Post, that her statement um, was following legal counsel's advice following legal counsel's guidance on language and that the end result no longer sounded much like her voice, Um, which, Oh, whatever. That could be, that could be true. I mean, it could be, but then like, this is before she posted that article about the problem with whistleblowing, like, which is really bad, um, yeah. which is why she deleted her Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she's deleted her Twitter and ran away. So, which kind of makes sense when you're getting called out and you're blocked. When you're blocking your own employees on Twitter, there's something wrong. Uh, her official um, her official title for Blizzard is executive vice president for corporate affairs. That's what her official title is for Fran Townsend. Um, what she stepped down from was the the company's women network. I think she was like, uh, I forget what her what title it was. Executive she, sponsor but yeah so she stepped down from the that part but she still holds her position on the corporate affairs part which i mean what i don't even know what that means to be like the vice president of corporate affairs like what are you doing are you taking care of like because it's not internal affairs are mm-hmm. you is this external affairs? Like, I, I don't know what what her position really is for Blizzard. Regardless of that, it's like, you know, obviously the 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 fire was a little bit too hot and she got burned and rightfully so she got burned. So not too much of a surprise. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are disappointed that she's still with the company, which, of course, um, but this is at least she's not in the same sort of position where she's dealing with with women in, in the way where where clearly some of the comments that she made may or not, may probably wouldn't go well with the people that she'd be talking to the women she'd be talking to another follow up um Activision Blizzard announced that they had hired uh Wilmer Hale which is a outside firm to perform an outside firm excuse me to perform a neutral audit of company policies um the com- Blizzard Activision Blizzard already has a relationship with Wilmer Hale. They are known collectively as like a union busting group. So it's and I I saw um I saw responses earlier this week of act of Blizzard employees actively rejecting mm-hmm. the choice. So it it is still something to watch. Um we do know, however, that the lawsuit and the uh, story around it has already started directly affecting Overwatch League specifically. Um, earlier this week, we started getting announcements that certain 
certain sponsors were going to be um so this it, it's important to say this correctly because people want to jump on it's like overwatch league lost all their sponsors all the sponsors are gone uh most of the sponsors you could actually kind of watch gradually disappear from the sponsor list throughout the weekend, unfortunately. But uh, Activision, Blizzard's um, Overwatch League and Call of Duty League uh, saw both State Farm, Coca-Cola and Kellogg's um, remove their branding from the broadcast. Um, This is not a full sale ending of partnerships or ending. I think the one was ending limited marketing relationships. but. these companies are taking a step back to reconsider their relationships and whether they want to continue sponsoring these leagues. I think even people were saying that IBM Watson no longer had sponsored content. Yeah. If you broadcast as well, they they still called it IBM Watson at least earlier in the week. But like, if you go to OverwatchLeague.com and then if you go to the power rankings tab where it would normally say like the IBM Watson power rankings, it just says power rankings as of right Mm -hmm. now. Um, the, 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 the signage, the, the promotion of IBM is currently gone from it, but the rankings are still actively working. So even though they're, they're not attaching their name to it, they're still working together in some capacity in order to make this happen. So I I think this is what a lot of companies have done. And part of this is, and, and, and there's some people that are overreacting to this who are maybe a little bit too close to um overwatch league or from an from an external point like fans and things like that like the the, you cannot think that overwatch league and, and these other aspects of blizzard that are tied to overwatch are completely absolved from everything that's going on i've saw somebody say that it's only the world of warcraft team no it's not only the World of Warcraft team. It's been shown multiple times. It's not just that. There are people well, who were part of this community who worked for Blizzard, for the Overwatch League, or underneath that in contenders who were terrible people. Like, you, you cannot be- do that. Well, I saw and I saw a response that highlighted it perfectly because it was it's a man like it's such a bummer that like they, they tore it out like that this is tearing every overwatch league down with it and bringing it down with it and people were responding and like overwatch league had people like this too like overwatch like the blizzard arena had people like this too like pretending that like overwatch league hasn't like what was the word they used um hasn't like sheltered people like this is just not true factually incorrect factually incorrect um, um it, it, really quick as well, I want to put in um, T-Mobile also, who was like, I mean, you if you've watched Overwatch League at all, you've gotten hit by 15 T-Mobile ads. Like, T-Mobile has taken their stuff off of the broadcast from both Call of Duty League and Overwatch League. Even, like, you have, like, the New York Subliners, which is one of the, the COD teams, like, had to cover that part of the sponsorship on their jerseys with tape when they came out for their games. Even Plat Chat, which is a podcast outside of Overwatch League. Yes, it is hosted by people who work for the league full time, but they're separate entities. Like Plat Chat even had to cut their T Mobile branding right now. I mean, that's not a surprise. Anything that's associated with the brand of Activision Blizzard is going to have things like this happen. And the important part to remember this is that it is not necessarily going to stay this way, but also. There's if Blizzard wants to get these sponsors to stay, 
they're going to have to take actions that these companies find okay for them to keep their sponsorships with Activision Blizzard. So you're having the screws be tightened in, you know, a couple different ways. Um, I, I think it's worth noting there's still a lot of pressure from the employees. There was a very big letter sent out to IGN talking about how the, you know, the Activision Blizzard Workers Alliance is what they're calling themselves, which is an organized group of current employees um, that are really wanting to uh, guard and have a safe and equitable workplace. Like this is the whole reason why Wilmer Hale is the, the specific group that, that they've gone with for Activision Blizzard, because when you hear something like the ABK workers Alliance, now Mm -hmm. you're getting close to union territory. And that's something that Activision Blizzard does not want for multiple reasons. So That's why you saw them get hired. That's also why you see a lot of the Blizzard employees deny the fact that Wilmer Hale is the who who Activision Blizzard is working with. So there's a lot at play here right now that I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to this for a long time. Like this is not going to be a one month story. This is probably going to take a while to sort of get through. So you're going to hear us talk about it for a large chunk of time, probably almost every week, as long as there's news to talk about, because it's it's worth talking about and worth paying attention to. You know, we said this last week that um, we need to be accountable as a podcast as well. So you can see that there's a lot of people that are also really paying attention to this uh, inside and outside of Blizzard. But back to back to the sponsors pulling out. I mean. what Activision Blizzard does has to really ring true to the sponsors that they will want to put back in the time, the money, the effort and everything else. Um, As far as viewership, I don't think we, they, there was too much of a dip. It went down by 10. It was, um, is it still like above 40 K I believe for live? It wasn't there for the majority of it. It may have peaked there in occasional spots, but it was mm-hmm. around like 39K, which is about 5,000 down. Yeah. So th- there's definitely over the weeks that that total is still probably about 10,000 less than they were getting then. I think so. So so it is a bit of a drop. Um, th- That is something as well that they'll be paying attention to, too, is are you going to be able to win your audience back if you're Activision Blizzard? You know, 10,000 people stopped right now. Who's to say there's not going to be another 10,000 the next week? Well, and something else that's going to contribute to this as well. There's already, I've seen people like even like um, content creators or like people who like follow the Overwatch League, like I, people who were super into it last year couldn't care this year. And you're, you're going to lose some people in between each season. I think like that's normal, but I think this can, I think the current stuff strongly will contribute to people just deciding, eh, I'm not going to come back next season. And and here's something to remember, too. Overwatch already was kind of in a precarious position prior to this year beginning. Anyways, there was a lot of worries about viewership and everything else. It did seem like maybe there was um, I think there was a gain, at least in the beginning of the year. So c- compared to the year prior. So th- there there was maybe some signs of positivity, but there was still. There's still a lot of uneasiness, right? This just adds to it more than anything else. 
for a lot of people. So the the I don't think people should get too crazy over it just yet because the sponsorships, none of them I don't think have officially fully pulled out as of yet. So until they officially do, because then you're also I don't know how the contracts are written. I don't know how easily these companies can pull out as of right now. That's another thing to consider. We will keep tabs on it as things continue to move forward. There's a lot. Um, there's there's absolutely a lot. And we're not going to be able to cover everything in our podcast. But I, I think if anything, before we move on, Ramses, I, I think the most important thing for, for you listening is to try and keep yourself informed on the situation and do your best to support those who you know, who you may know, who are people that are paid by Blizzard or, you know, you as a fan, if you're somebody who who has a lot of ties to this, like, don't feel bad about having a taking a breath. I agree. I mean, like you're saying before, if you still want to be playing Blizzard games, that's fine. If you want to step back and not play anymore, 100 percent get it. Yep. It's. But I think it is it's so important to just be aware of what's going on and to really make sure that we can bring account, make sure that we can continue to hold people accountable. Definitely. Going into this week's games. We started off on Friday with London Spitfire versus Toronto Defiant. Uh, Toronto takes it three one. Uh, London just. uh, London does okay in this game but not okay enough to come close to actually winning. It's more that they have these moments where, so I guess maybe I'm just the only one confused about this. It seemed like they were very reluctant. If Sparker's your guy, if Sparker's the guy for, I, I think you would think Farah or even a couple other heroes. Shaxx at one point was the gre- the best tracer in the world. And we know that we're in like a pretty big tracer meta right now. When was he the, the best tracer in the world though? I would that's way overblowing it. Shax was an incredible tracer in season two and was really good in season three. Um, yeah, it's a little better. You, you would think that he would you would think they would do better in this meta and London just didn't have anything this week. Like. This game, number one, they were just they didn't have much to bring. I, I feel like the 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 one thing that like people kind of forget is like every Almost every team has like a really good tracer, right? L- like how many teams do you think don't have somebody who's who's able to play like tracer at a very competent level? I mean. I don't I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I think maybe like Guangzhou and that's about it. Yeah, maybe the spark, but I don't know. Shy's OK. Like I, I'm, I'm not sure who they've been having play tracer at all. But regardless of that, the the, the point is, is like. The Tracer doesn't like I I feel like Tracer gets sort of overblown about certain things, right? Because there's like that one clip potential and stuff like that. But when Tracers are most successful most of the time, it's because they are synergizing well with their tanks and then they're diving onto targets together with the rest of their team to blow someone up and create an advantage, right? The 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 main tank position is so important for a tracer to perform well. I think if you look at some of the best tracers that we've had in the league this year, 
you'll also happen to notice that they also have like a really good Winston or really good wrecking ball to go Mm -hmm. along with it. Like look at Gaga and leave, right? Gaga is the, I think the best rated or second best rated, um, Winston or wrecking ball. Fate is the best rated wrecking ball to go along with Fleta. Um, just, just to name two teams, right? Uh, if you want to go Dallas fuel fearless, the best Winston, which is what they play the majority of. And then the tracers sparkle most of the time. Like I, I think people don't look at that stuff enough. Next game, Vancouver Titans 3-0 over the Boston Uprising. They get their first win of the year. Um, I know it kind of threw a bunch of people's... People were really excited for the last game of the year to be between Vancouver and London to force one of them to get a win. But Vancouver takes it home early. Dalton, I think we've seen play probably... Right now, I think, has been playing the best he's played all year. I think having Chongsik in there at main tank has really helped a lot. And then also, I think part of it is that Boston, I think, just kind of slip and fall flat on their face this game. Like, they just did not have it for some reason. Vancouver, yeah, it it definitely felt like this was a bad game from Boston. They also played, like, uh, some weirder comps a couple of times, too. Um, They did some things that I think people sort of question, especially because, like, if you're having Valentine play Soldier 76, it's like, wouldn't you rather have that be color hacks there's just a couple weird things that they did in this game and they 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 sort of rate the ship after this a little bit but not a whole lot um they had a really rough week this week for boston but they at least looked better against florida later on it this this is like this is something we've seen boston do in the past though too so it's not out of the ordinary um from what we've seen from boston prior to this that they they drop a game that kind of scr- you scratch your head about. Going to APAC, Philadelphia Fusion 3-1 over New York Excelsior. Shanghai Dragons 3-2 over Seoul Dynasty. And Guangzhou Charge fall 3-1 to the Chengdu Hunters. The Dragon-Seoul Dynasty game was really good. Uh, you kind of saw a clashing of styles a little bit. Um, you also saw a lot of struggling from shanghai at times to sort of figure out what they wanted to do and i think part of this also sort of had to do with the maps where what maps were you able to really play the things that you're at for shanghai and then they just also like the first map they just kind of fell asleep at the wheel because they played into double hit scan they played into the with the pharah which didn't make a lot of sense and they were very reluctant to switch off of it which made no sense at all just some very weird things like that that they did, but they were able to come out on top anyways. But uh, really, this is leading up to me thinking that map choice is going to be very big when we get into playoffs because mm-hmm. the maps where you could see the wrecking ball really shine seem to be areas where, where Shanghai did much better. Um, and they struggled on a lot of the other maps, like when they were playing Winston and stuff like that. Fate did definitely had a lot harder of a time. Dallas Fuel takes the 3-1 win over London Spitfire. Atlanta Rain beats Florida Mayhem 3-2. And then Toronto Defiant shut out Washington Justice 3-0. The Dallas game went about as expected. I think 
I don't know. I always feel like I see some sort of contingent somewhere whenever it's a trap game like this. Like, oh man, like doubt, like so and so is going to lose this. But outside of Route sixty six, um, which they do get full held on, it's a pretty solid win for Dallas. Yeah, they're pretty they do dominant. tie on Volsky Industries, but yeah, they're pretty dominant on some of the maps. They they stumble a little bit, um, but. I think people are kind of forgetting, though, too, that you're clearly seeing Dallas try a lot of different things on these maps. Like we saw Doha play the Farah on some of these maps instead of Sparkle. You you had a lot of different looks. They've been doing a lot more with the Wrecking Ball specifically because they know that that's something that you, unless some major change is happening to Wreck and happen to the Wrecking Ball, Wrecking Ball is going to be important come playoff time. So. there's a lot of things that Dallas is sort of working through here. Also, we saw Fielder, I think, almost exclusively play a lot of Zen on some of the maps as well. Like like there's they're clearly doing things to try and get better for Dallas in these games and not just playing what we know that they can win on. Something else to put in mind, too. Um, We did hear for last week that this dragons, I mean, not here. It was kind of apparent last week with the dragons that they were kind of taking a step back from going a hundred percent in competition right now, just to not get burnt out before playoff time. And it sounded like um, from people, I don't remember who exactly posted it, that Dallas was doing something similar uh, where they're not going a hundred percent as hard right now in scrims. Even so, I think this is why you see them trying out some new things. Um, luckily as well, they played, I mean, London was one of the games. So like they didn't play, like it was a decent, it was a pretty easy match for them, but the other one did not go the same way. Atlanta looks solid. Um, this Atlanta rain, Florida mayhem game is so back and forth. It was a much better game than I, I expected Atlanta to have a much easier time with Florida Poor Florida. Like they're, they're clearly able to compete with these teams that are at the top. But they just never seem to be able to find a way to to eke out the win. Like they literally bring this to the brink in that last map and they just can't pull it out. It's so rough to see because their record is not indicative of how good of a team they are. And this is one of those things where I think that they're lucky the fact that there's the play in game stuff, because I think that they'll be able to do a lot of damage there if they get in. But they've got to jump. They've got to jump at least one team. They've got to have they've got to have a little bit of luck. Otherwise, they're out. Actually, they might even be out now. Um, unless for they countdown the cup two. for countdown cup, they are one and one. I'm talking about the for pl- regular season overall. For regular playoffs. season, they're six and five. Five so, and nine, I thought. No, you're right. Five and nine. I'm like I cl- I counted their league points first by mistake. So it's possible for them to get up. For them to jump up there, but we'll have to see. Uh, I think the other thing with Florida, too, is that so two things I mentioned. I think now they're finally coming out of the sl- a slump or whatever you want to call it, where they hadn't won a game, I think, since going to Hawaii. Yeah, um, which is they're, weird. They're starting to come. They're starting to come out of the slump pretty hard. Also, OG made his return to the lineup this week and looked pretty good. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he wasn't why they lost or anything. The rough part about this for Florida is that you've got to win basically both of your next two games to have a chance at making either Countdown Cup or the end of the year playoffs. And you got to play Houston and you got to play the Gladiators. That's rough. 
that's really rough. They might be on the outside looking in and they might be better than a couple of the teams that are above them as far as like once you have like the full um, gambit of heroes available. And then Toronto three owing Washington again, Washington just fall flat on their face with this one. Um, we see more. So assassin has another EMP like last week's one. Um, I think getting to see his POV makes it a little bit more understand. Well, it, it shows you a little bit more of his reasoning. They they're on Rialto is it Rialto Havana and they're in the warehouse and it's again, he's done this multiple times where he will, he'll throw EMP just to try and get the hack on a tracer that he's dueling with, which by the time he throws the EMP out, the tracer's already long gone and zipped off somewhere else. So then if you're not looking, if you're looking at it without context, it looks like he just randomly fat fingered EMP. But again, like it's a solid win for Toronto here and Washington I think if you, I think this cements it for me. Like, if you had to go the most disappointing team of the year so far for me, it would be the Washington Justice. They're going to be in play-in games, though. Like, I think that they are almost locked in. Um, it's going to be very difficult for them to not be in. So they they're going to have time to sort of try and figure out what the heck's going on, and they're really going to need it if they want to have a chance. So. at, at one point, it's like, yeah, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, it's like you're at least making play on play in games more than likely, barring something absolutely ridiculous happening. So you still have something to focus on. And the things that you're seeing happen cannot happen. Like, I don't want to hear the meta excuse anymore from Washington because they've been playing the same meta as everybody else. Like they've been playing the same compositions. They're not executing execution has nothing to do with preparedness as far as from a compositional standpoint, right? Like like they've had time, especially this week to figure it out and they're still struggling mightily. Looking at going back to APAC soul dynasty three, two over the Philadelphia fusion. Chengdu Hunters 3-1 over the New York Excelsior. Shanghai 3-1 over Charge. Uh, quick insert, Lobo. It is so weird to me that we're going to get the, a tournament without the Shanghai Dragons in it. Um, Are we? I think. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, you can look at the standings right now. I'm pretty sure... Chang- it, it, depends it depends on how hard Chengdu if, if Chengdu wins a game, then they're locked. Then it's locked. I just don't know who Chengdu plays for their last two games. They might be all right. Um, well, they got the Valiant for one of them, so they'll probably be fine unless they get three would against. Um, if they get three would against the Spark, then then there's maybe some problems. Yeah, Shanghai had a bad week one. I, I don't think it's the the worst thing in the world. They've already cemented themselves in for the end of your playoffs. So I, I don't know how concerned they are. At a level two where like no one's going to touch their like no one is going to touch their le- like their league points. They have first by a mile. Yeah. So it I mean, pulling back right now, it makes sense. Get your rest. Don't burn yourself out. 
And again, Soul Dynasty continuing to be super consistent. Getting like playing really high level regular season Overwatch. We will see if it transits into playoffs. We might have Dallas in too. Something to think about. Uh, the the only two winners might not be in the final tournament of the year. Um, mm-hmm. Before the, the playoffs. So Dallas doesn't control their own destiny nope. anymore. They're done. They've yeah. played all their games. So yeah, it, they needed um, if they would have won against Atlanta, then they would have been in for sure. But. They are guaranteed for end of season playoffs at the very least. So I, I don't know if they. I don't know if anybody can even jump them as far as the overall standings. If anybody can take away the top spot from them because they've got 17 points. I think that you get what three points if you win the tournament. Mm-hmm. So 15 would be the most that Atlanta can get. They can't even take away the top spot from Dallas. I think I mean, I think we said last week that it's still locked in. Atlanta's probably locked in as the second best team of the year right now. I for NA, like for a the hardcore. Last, yeah. And then going back over Boston Uprising fall 3-1 to the Mayhem. Mayhem just have a super solid stomp game here. I mean, not a stomp, but like it's a it's a solid win for Florida. Atlanta reigned 3-1 over Dallas Fuel. Atlanta again, like still bringing up the game. Doha Farah. Trying they're trying some new stuff in this one. I think part of it is that like Kai and Pelican just look so good right now, too. That like those guys definitely have a lot of momentum happening carrying right now. I think it showed sort of um the 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 maps that they went to definitely didn't help Dallas out all that much. Um and Dallas did a couple of things that were kind of head scratchers a little bit. So they were trying different things against Atlanta. I mean, good for Atlanta to finally get off the Schneid and finally beat Dallas. But I don't know what they were seeing from Dallas. Like, it, it was definitely a weird game from Dallas all around. And you saw, kind of saw them start to fall back on some of the, the things that they had done to get to this point. And they didn't have a lot of success. Uh, teams were ready for those things. So Dallas has, to, has a lot of work to do. Um, they might get some time to rest and figure things out while other teams go to Hawaii. So that's a little bit nice for them. but. It's still there's still a lot that has to happen to um, really figure out these other compositions that Dallas is trying to run like they're they're no longer trendsetters. And also, man, they just did not seem to know how to deal with some of this stuff. I, I, I there's a couple points that drove me crazy where like Sparkle, we get beat on Tracer by Pelican and they would call it a one V one, but it wasn't a one V one. And it's like the support was there for Pelican on Tracer a lot of the times or like it would be the Tracer at the end. It would be the only two Tracers left, but it's like it's not like they're full HP fighting each other. Like there's so much that goes into those fights to get to that end point that it kind of drove me crazy listening to to things in this match specifically. I think Hawk was um, super important, though, stuffing Doha so many times when he was using his uh, dragon strike. Those are things you can't have happen and happen way too often for Dallas. 
We also didn't even talk about it during that game against Boston. Vancouver got breadsticks this week. It finally happened. Yeah. They did. They got it in the first map. Yep. They got it in the first map, and then they're like, oh, let's win too. Um, that that was really funny to me was that they, they like during the, the match, like Uber's going crazy at the beginning, just talking about the breadsticks. And it's like, yeah, we still got game to play, though, Uber. Like, this is map number <laughs> one. It was it was really funny. But uh, this isn't enough for you to be like, OK, we have something to build with here if you're Vancouver. Oh, not at all. Um, I do think like there's parts of this team which, on to be a hundred percent, this team probably should be completely like. I like a lot of these players. I wish they would get opportunities somewhere else, but I don't. Who else do you go with? But I think Dalton's played really well this season. I think Fried has had some really good plays this season, but again, compared to what, where do they go? Um. They get breadsticks the first game, which is awesome. And then people forget that, like, it was for Pizza Huts in Western Canada, like in the Vancouver area. So you have people like around the U.S. being like, Pizza Hut, why does like my code for breadsticks not work? Why doesn't it work? And being like, it's not for your location. Like, (laughs) well, and then like Bren like gets a pizza or something. I don't know. It was very weird. Very, very weird. I, I don't think people understand. Like, listen, if the Bulls score 100 points at home, you don't get Big Macs for everywhere in the U.S. It's just Big Macs for us here in the Chicagoland area. How it works, okay? And then you have to go to select McDonald's to get it, too. Like, people don't get that stuff. It's funny. Also, um, they did get, they got breadsticks twice, actually. They got breadsticks again today um, in their game with the Washington Justice. Which- nice. People, so you saw public opinion like back in Vancouver super hard after this weekend, being like, all right, like they're going to do it. Justice is boomed. Cause, like, to be fair, Justice looked horrible against Toronto Defiant. Like, all right, like it's going to happen. Vancouver's going to beat them. Like, we're it, Vancouver's finally like not ascending to like, com- like competing level. Like, Vancouver's going to get this. They're going to get the win. And then they get three out. It didn't happen. No, they got three out hard. Um, I saw people making a specific mention of it, but like you watch on Nepal, um, Terus Farah just play like they're playing. I think they were still playing scared of decay where I think every, except for maybe Dalton, who's going around and trying to get sticks on people. They're really scared of decay. Um, you watch all these line like these videos of like, Teru like gets close with the far and then backs up because he doesn't want to get picked. You watch them like they're always trying to like hide their support somewhere. Um, and then decay stumbles upon them and gets both kills. <laughs> they actually, um, so they posted this thing earlier today. They've been doing this series called keys to the game, which is like, they're like, they are things they think they need to win. Mm-hmm. Or like, I guess like their main game plan points. It was number one, force Bebe into duels, divert focus from healing. And Bebe got so many kills today, just like lasering people with the Zenyatta orbs. Don't allow Decay to isolate the backline, which that is what he did. All Decay did was just kill both supports all the time. And then create space for DPS to push past the tank line, which side note, I don't know, like. 
I don't know what the whole point of like, I don't know. It's fun content, but like, do you think it's a great idea to post this? Like as a social media manager, like your other team can see this. I mean, keys to the game or keys to the game. It's not necessarily coming from the actual players on the team or anything or the coaches. And like, those are technically things that if you're looking at the matchup that you would be able to say. It's not like they're saying, oh, this is the play we have on this map that we're going to do at this sort of time, you know, or this is how we're going to roll out. Like, like, it's not like it's giving away anything that like anybody looking at it can be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Like any time that you watch like a a pregame show and they give you the keys to the game, do you ever really feel like uh, if the opposing team knows these keys to the game that are kind of obvious that maybe they're going to change up what they do? It's like, no, of course not, because they're general. Like, of course, not allowing Bebe to 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 be going crazy on Zenyatta is going to be something that you you want to have not happen to win a game. You don't want to K killing your supports, being able to isolate them. You don't want those things to happen, right? Like, what what is Takei going to do when he hears that? Oh, they don't want me isolating the supports. Is he going to not isolate the supports then to throw it up, like to change things up? You know what I mean? Like, like, what does him knowing that information change? How does it change his play style? Mm-hmm. It does. It just it doesn't. It, it, he's going to do the same thing. You know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to go kill the supports, because if you don't have supports, good luck trying to win the fight if they have supports. Right. like like basics 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 whatever it's it's not a big so looking ahead at next week's games uh paris eternal at toronto defiant on thursday followed by florida mayhem it says at but these are online um florida mayhem versus houston outlaws going to apac we have hangzhou spark and chengdu hunters and la valiant versus guangzhou charge that's gonna be your encore game too Excuse me. And then going back to APAC, London Spitfire, Paris Eternal, San Francisco Shock versus Vancouver Titans, Florida Mayhem versus LA Gladiators. Florida has a very. So for getting into the like Florida has like a pretty tight window as far as like getting into Countdown Cup. It's doable, but like Houston is definitely a winnable game. I really am curious how they're going to match up against uh, LA. It's a yeah, there this all depends on how things shake out. Um, you 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 still have some sort of outside chance that Dallas makes in, um, but they they can't like only how many teams can three teams can get above them. So between the gladiators, the mayhem, the shock, and the outlaws, and Paris, like two of those teams, uh, or yeah, two of those teams need to go one and three for them to have a chance. And that's asking a lot. I think a lot of those teams, uh, they're all one and one right now. I think mm-hmm. all of those teams have a pretty good potential to make it in. Apparently, there's like an outside chance that Boston can make it in at one and three. But that would be some really wacky stuff happening because then I think there has to be a lot of one and three teams. That's really weird. But yeah, I. I don't know if um, if Dallas continues to hold on here, because I think uh, especially this week, um, I think San Francisco, the Gladiators, 
Houston and Paris all have decent shots at making it in. Um, as far as looking at the schedule too, uh, Paris gets to play London and Toronto. So I think like Toronto needs to help out Dallas here. Um, you know, Houston needs to help out as well. Like, like three teams need to help out Dallas in some big ways. I don't know if it's going to happen though. And then a couple more games, uh, LA Valiant, Chengdu Hunters, like we talked about earlier, Guangzhou Charge at Hangzhou Spark. And then wrapping up North America before knockouts is London Spitfire and Vancouver Titans, LA Gladiators and Houston Outlaws, and San Francisco Shock at Toronto Defiant. And then knockouts come afterwards. Like we said, I think San Francisco has, like, this is San Francisco's clearest spot to a tournament right now. San Francisco should, keyword should, be three and one heading into knockouts, considering they're playing Vancouver and Toronto. Toronto's been pretty good, though. You can't yes. count out Toronto just yet. I think they're currently two and oh, too. They've only lost one map so far in this qualifier. So it's maybe a little early to say that for San Francisco because they lost to Dallas and Dallas looks like a team that might be on the outside looking in. Well, and this is why I said should not will like this is I have learned not to bet 100% that something's going to happen now that they've re they switched the games up around switch the games around too. now that Vancouver versus London is going to be happening at noon on Saturday. It's like the first game of that day instead of the last game. Yeah, I thought that was switched. I, I feel like that was not what that was before. They had to have done it because they're like, we're going to put our primetime game as a game that actually might. This, this actually this final game between San Francisco and Toronto could determine who gets into the countdown cup. Um, Gladiators in Houston has the potential to do that, too, because Florida can play a little bit of upset if they beat the Gladiators. Like Florida still has a path to victory here. And I think that's something that's very important. Like the first game against Houston is going to determine a lot. And then Houston and, and yeah, th this sets up for a very interesting final day. Also between, so for London versus Vancouver, who do you got? Do you think London finally gets the win? I think there's definitely the possibility, but I also can see Vancouver winning this. I, this one's hard. Like th these are definitely the two worst teams in uh, in the West, maybe in the league too. It's hard to say. I don't know if either of them would actually be able to beat the Valiant or not. The Valiant wins maps here and there that you're like, why did they win this map? It, it's very weird. Um, I I think London probably wins this, and then we end up with two one loss teams or one win teams. I think that's the way that it goes. I think so, too. I think that they looked pretty good against better teams than Vancouver did against good teams. So I think London has the ability to win this. And I think that if there's a game where you can have Shaq's carry on the tracer more than any other, it's a game like this where you're you're not playing against some insane divas on the other side that are going to be able to, to help shut down a tracer or, or really defend a back line well from a tracer. So looking ahead to knockouts coming this weekend, 
who do we think are going to be our final four for the East? Well, definitely Atlanta. Oh, no, for the East, I mean. Sorry. Oh, for the East. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think Shanghai is probably not going to make it in, unfortunately, but also maybe fortunate for them because then they get a little bit of a rest. I think it's going to be the four teams that are already there. I think it's going to be New York, Chengdu, Seoul, and, and Philly. Uh, I think Shanghai is kind of just unfortunate here that they they had this really bad time, so they're not going to get in. I don't think Spark hops any of these other teams, and I don't think Guangzhou does either. I, I, I think Guangzhou has had a really rough go, and, and uh, there's no question the Valiant aren't going to get there either, so. Man, we are entering the period where they're going to finish the year without a win. They probably are. And like I said, they still might not be the worst team in the league. If only. If only. And then um, looking at the West as well. Well, I think before we finish up APAC, who do you think are the final two that are heading out to that are heading to Hawaii? Uh, I think it's going to be Philly and Seoul. Chang Deuce is like been really rocky uh they haven't looked very good at least during this part of the tournament where seoul and philly have had some epic battles against shanghai like like shanghai i think just had a if they didn't have such a bad first week um shanghai is probably in the tournament but i think philadelphia and seoul are the two you really look for here i just don't know if Chengdu has enough to, to hop either of those two teams they haven't shown it at least so far Gotcha. I think I'm feeling the same way. Um, there's a chance that I there's like an outside chance possibly that Hunters and Excelsior climb in, but with how consistent Dynasty has been and with how it, Fusion is playing right now, I don't really see it happening. It's funny because like Philly is above Seoul, but Seoul beat Philly, but Philly 3-0 Shanghai and Seoul lost 3-2. To, it, it, it's so very, this is the most topsy-turvy the East has been. So I, I do think that the East is very much up in the air because I do think that both Chengdu and New York have the potential to take out either of these teams because neither of these teams have shown they can even get to the freaking tournament. So. Looking also at the West right now. Right. Currently, um, our top six spots are Rain, who are done with four games and then Defiant, Ewell, Gladiators, Shock, Mayhem. Followed by Outlaws, Titans, Eternal, Uprising, Justice, Spitfire. Uh, it's fair to say that I think Uprising, Justice, and Spitfire are both locked out. I'm going to take a bet the Titans are not going to make it in. End of the cutoff for knockouts. But I think, so like you were talking about, Houston versus Mayhem is really going to decide which one of these teams makes it in. Yeah, it's also a lot of this sort of plays into whether or not Dallas makes it in too, depending on of these teams that are below. Like I said, it, it's really down to the eternal, the outlaws, the mayhem, the shock and the gladiators to sort of determine the order and, and Toronto. So the, the last week is going to determine so, so much. Um, the, the biggest help that can happen for Dallas is that Toronto four O's like that's a major help because of the teams that they beat in order to be in that four O position. Uh, if that happens, the Dallas Fuel have a very good possibility of making it in. Otherwise, there's a lot that has to go right for Dallas to make it in. 
I think the 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 easiest paths to get in right now are definitely Toronto because they're two zero and have a plus five, so they can go three one and still make it in, and definitely have the schedule I believe to make that happen too because they play San Francisco. And, well, maybe not. The, the The first game is going to be the big determining game for Toronto because they play Paris and they play San Francisco. So that game, that that first game determines a lot, too, as far as who's maybe going to have a good chance of making it in and who's not. Who do you think are our final two teams heading out to Hawaii this time? Um, I think Atlanta makes it again. And if Dallas somehow squeak in here, I think Dallas has a possibility unless they have to play Atlanta. Otherwise, this is where it gets really, really difficult. I think that the, the teams that I feel most confident have the ability to get there would be San Francisco and and the gladiators i think those are the two because those two at their best are very very good um florida has just been too shaky um houston hasn't proved it yet right like this would be the time for houston to prove it paris paris struggled so much in that first week it was weird so that one makes it really rough to sort of pick them um so that's why i don't think it's going to be any of those teams uh, the only like the biggest wild card here is Toronto Defiant, in my opinion, mm-hmm. like they 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 could be a team that makes it and they can also really shake things up with how who ends up making it into the actual knockout rounds. So that that I think is the team to watch the most is Toronto Defiant, because I think they have the games that will determine the most. I'm aware with you. I'm we know rain, I think, is locked up. I think rain um, for sure, though. Like if, if there's anybody that I'm guaranteed on making it to Hawaii again, it's Atlanta. I think Atlanta is locked up. And then I. I think shock make it back in unless I just don't have any faith in gladiators to actually like get over the hump. So I'm I think I'm going to go with shock for my other pick, but we'll be watching it this weekend, hanging out. Um. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm excited for knockouts, but I am bummed. This is our last week of regular season Overwatch for the year. It's very weird. I, I think that it's a little bit somber because of everything else surrounding Blizzard. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as um, exciting of a, a weekend as I think it should be because there really is a lot of interesting scenarios for this tournament to sort of determine who gains and who gets in and who doesn't like Florida ma'am literally if they go to oh make it into the tournament and then win the tournament they're in for sure into play-ins like there's a lot that rides on these last couple of games for some of these teams to not just for the countdown cup but for the the play-in game slash playoffs so th- this week should be more um celebrated and more interesting and more fun to to sort of look at but with that dark cloud hanging over everything it's just hard to get excited as as excited as as you normally would yeah i agree and the radio silence not re- well, the lack of like explicit address on stuff from blizzard has also just contributed to making things worse um, yeah a rumor went out earlier this week from somebody who has been 50 50 on leaks that um, even though there was a like, even though we heard in the the earnings call last week that Overwatch 2 has made has reached a major internal milestone. Uh, they were they were saying that their sources are telling them that Overwatch 2 in 2022 may not be a possibility and that might get pushed to later, which, again, 
leaks are leaks. Um, this person has been right. They've been wrong. Um, it's you can't put a hundred percent like trust well, in it. Well, at all. even the the but, quote unquote leak is not even a hundred percent sure of whether that it will or will not be the thing. So yes, it's very noncommittal. But it's just like having that. Um, having somebody make like put that um the idea or that statement out into the ether and even if it's regardless of whether or not that it's true just it contributes to making th- the negative feeling around overwatch now just that much more negative yeah it, it doesn't help for sure it definitely make things it definitely doesn't help things uh the dark cloud's gonna be there anyway uh just adds to it yeah we are trying to keep our head up we suggest you guys well i guess not suggest we um I don't know. Hope we hope you guys are doing well. It's kind of rough. I know with summer and with uh, stuff in the outside world kind of starting to go certain ways. It doesn't help. Thing. It. Yeah, we, we don't get stressful. <laughs> it, I, I think it's important to mention that, like, who knows if, if we're even going to have these in in person events that are being. That's right. We didn't even talk to, about that to the end of the year, because uh, anybody who hasn't been paying attention to the news or anything like that, the Delta variant. is pretty deadly. Um, especially for those that are unvaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, you still have a, per- a percentage of catching it. The, the percentage of dying from it is so minuscule that like nobody we know will probably die who's vaccinated from the Delta variant. But there's a good percent chance that we'll know somebody who will catch it. And there's the possibility of spreading it still, even though you are vaccinated. This specific variant uh, is still spreading even with people who are vaccinated. Well, and also, so I don't know if you saw this as well. Apparently, a couple of COD of Call of Duty League players have tested positive for COVID. Yep. Ahead of a tournament. Which means like, dude, like there's a decent chance they just cancel the in-person stuff and just go to online for it, unfortunately. Yeah, they're or they just have the players there. They might just do something like that too, sort of do a bubble of some sort, since you're already going to have the venues anyway. They could do, still at least do that. Like, I think it's much less dangerous and it's a lot easier to handle something like that. Although we don't know vaccination rates of teams and stuff like that either. So we don't know how protected all the players are and and things of that nature. So it's hard to to really speculate on anything like that. Regardless of that, though, like uh, I think you've already seen League of Legends. They've decided that they're not going to have any people at their event or mm-hmm. their end of season um, tournament. So, I mean, you're seeing all the concert tours that like have been scheduled throughout the year. Like a lot of the bigger ones are starting to like t- look really hard at whether or not they're still even going to do them. Yeah. And we- I think I saw an out- a headline today that New Orleans Jazz Fest has been canceled for the year because of COVID, like because of COVID worries. Like stuff is coming back. Yeah. I, I mean, and Lollapalooza just happened. Um here in Chicago and there's like a hundred thousand plus people. And we don't know yet what the ripple effect is for Lollapalooza. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Let's just put it at, the, let's just keep it at that. There, There's a lot that can happen still fingers crossed that, that, that people get vaccinated and, and at least make it where it doesn't matter as much, but we already know that's a trouble here in this country. So, Mm-hmm. well as always we just want to remind you guys to stay safe take care of yourselves 
Um, thanks for being here for episode 114 of Push the Point. If you want to help us out, one thing you could do is leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you like to use. Makes it easier for people to find us and we get to know what you like about the show and what else we can work on. Yep. We also invite you to join us in the Discord because that's where you're going to join us for whatever we end up doing for game night. Uh, you can do that by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons. It keeps you up to date, too, about all of your shows on your favorite shows on the network, which there are a bunch of really good shows. I mentioned one of them earlier in Warcraft Reloaded. So uh, you'll hear about some of those right after we're done too. patreon.com slash mash those buttons to support the network directly. Please, please support this incredible, awesome network. It's a really cool network. So and Ja deserves every bit of support. Yes, indeed. If you want to follow the show, you can find it on Twitter at pushpointpod, or you, if you want to send us something long form, if you want to give us your very long paragraph about how Washington Justice can somehow still make it into the playoffs, which they can't, you can hit us at pushthepoint at gmail.com. And if you want to follow Labosco and hear his thoughts and see different One Piece things be retweeted in your timeline, you can find him on Twitter at his handle. At Labosco, um it was really cool. So the Olympics just happened. Obviously, we don't talk about that here because we're an esports show. But there is a bunch of different competitors at the Olympics that did poses from One Piece. It was really cool. Yeah, it it, it made my One Piece heart proud. And and there was two of them who were gold medal winners too. So that was really cool. It was pretty funny. I thought of you for those. And then I was like, wait, oh, it's because he put these in my timeline. Yeah, that would make yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think you sent me something. There was there was like a DM where you sent me something. And I was like, I'm the one who retweeted that. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm the one who retweeted. Oh, like, I no, it, it was the was, it was the Hunter Hunter thing, wasn't it? I don't remember what it was. Um, how, how murder is OK. <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe it was that. I don't know um there's a couple things i it's just it's funny it's always funny when you like you tweet something at me and i'm like yeah i'm the one who retweeted that <laughs> it means right. i have reach on twitter i guess i don't know if you want to find me on twitter you oh. can find me at ramsey's underscore ow for all my stuff and that's gonna do it for episode 114 of push the point thank you guys for being here online with us at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons 8 o'clock PST Sunday nights. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you soon for the next episode as we start going into playoffs. Ugh. I, I am excited, but I'm sad. I don't want the season to be over. But yeah, we're getting there anyway. Time marches on. Yes, sir. Have a good night, a good day, or whatever time it is for you. And we'll see you soon. Later. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. 
If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash themashnetwork, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 